everyone. Welcome to the Everything Jesus podcast. I'm Dr. Billy Birch, and this is my wife, Kim. Hi there. And we're in episode six. And this episode's very interesting because it is taking the life of Jesus from his birth all the way through right before John the Baptist announced him coming on the scene. Mm-hmm. And so there's a whole lot we don't know about this time, like uh, from age one all the way to, let's just say, 30 or so when his ministry really began. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people have always asked me questions. What was Jesus like as a kid? And haven't you ever wondered that? <laughs> what does the perfect perfect man look like? How did he act? Yeah. What did that child do? Did he pinch his brother or sister? Did he, you know, act like a smart aleck to his mom or dad or, or you know... Mm-hmm. We have all this information about Jesus in his life and ministry. We don't have a ton about him growing up, which tells us that God was also, and if you can even think about this, he was fully God, fully man, but there was a preparation time. Mm-hmm. There was this preparing that God was doing, not just with Jesus himself, if that's even possible. I don't even know how that works yeah. when you're already perfect. Right. But, but you know, God was more so, I think, preparing the time hmm. and preparing the people and preparing the the place where he was going to do ministry and had the perfect time to come on the scene. Mm-hmm. God is never early. He is never late. He he plans and executes precisely when he means to. Right, you know? right. And so in the scriptures, we do have a little bit, though. We have a little to go on. A little to little go on. little known years. That's right. About Jesus in these little known years. And I think they're, they're fun to go through mm-hmm. because it gives us a little bit of like, okay, now we know what he was like as a child and what he experienced in these childhood days. And then you have this gap and then you get to what John the Baptist does, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 21. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel, even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Let's stop right there. Okay, let's first grab a hold of where, when we're talking about here, because, you know, if you don't have your scripture open, you can't see. We've just come out of the scene of the shepherds showing up at Jesus's birth. So that's where we left off. And then the beginning sentence starts eight days later. So Correct. from Jesus's birth, now the first little part of this is eight days later. Which is law prescribed for a newborn child, yeah. if he's a male. And people are like, well, did Jesus have to get circumcised? The answer is yes. Right. Because he had to fulfill every part of the law. Right. He right. was the perfect fulfillment of all of the law. Right, and even this part that would have been entirely out of his control to make sure it happened. He's an infant. He can't make sure that he meets all the requirements of the law, but his parents do it. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. And then it says it was time for the purification offering, which was a different time, okay, and... Right, right. So there, you know, back in uh, Leviticus, it talks about if you have a male child... Um, 40, 40, at about 40 days, they're supposed to go and present a sacrifice to essentially 
buy back this child. The, ch- the, the male firstborn is dedicated to the Lord, so the parents redeem or buy back the child mm-hmm. by sacrificing. So this is like an irony here. It's like a beautiful little foreshadowing. They are redeeming the Redeemer, the Redeemer who would save us from our sins, who would buy us back, buy us as his own possession, buy us for himself. The parents are buying him back, which was how it was prescribed to be done That's back right. in the law That's in the right. Old Testament. And before we, we move on, um, it does say he was named Jesus, mm. the name given him by the angel, even before he was conceived. Hmm. Do you remember that? Yes. You know, with, with Mary and Joseph, the angel came and said, his name will be called Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it all happened. It, right. that, that's just great. Right. There's, that, there's a lot there that could be unpacked. He and, is the Savior. But that's yes. that picture. So these two little scenes, two separate times, at eight days old, and then another uh, 33 days later or something, um, here they are showing up again to make this sacrifice that was prescribed in the law. That's right. And at that time, this is starting in verse 25, at that time there was a man named in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout I'm sorry, he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby, Jesus, to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, Now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. I'm just going to stop there. There's a lot there. There's a little bit more that that we can talk about, but I'm going to stop there because, as it says, he was a righteous and devout man, was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and revealed to him that he would not die until he'd seen the Lord's Messiah, the mm-hmm. Lord's anointed one, the, the one that Isaiah said, the, I'm the anointed of the Lord. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and that day mm-hmm. was a unique day. And I wonder if Simeon, something special was mm-hmm. going on because the Lord, at some moment, I'm sure he had to go to the temple every day to take care of duties and whatever. But at that moment, it said, the Holy Spirit was like, you better get to the temple right now. You just got that gut feeling. Yeah. He had this really unique promise to know that he would visually, with his eyes, see the Messiah before he died. So he must have always been on the lookout, always been listening for the Spirit's voice, telling him where to go and what to do so he wouldn't miss it when it happened. And then he saw, you know, the baby, he saw Mary and Joseph, and he was able to take the child in his arms and he praised God and he tells God, sovereign Lord, that is God over all things, Mm. authority over all things, that is sovereign, sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. Him saying that, it was like, he knew without a shadow of a doubt, didn't even need to be told or explained. He didn't know about the shepherds or the wise men mm. or anything else like that. He just knew from the Holy Spirit as he held this child, I know this is the Lord's Messiah and now I can die because mm. my promise has been fulfilled. Mm. Is that, mm-hmm. This is really crazy. Right. And here's where it talks about Jesus. I have seen your salvation 
which you have prepared for all people. Yeah, I love the inclusiveness of that sentence, that Jesus, this Jesus who he was at this point in the story holding in his arms, is God's salvation for all people, prepared for all people. Yeah. It's so yeah. inclusive. It's not God's Savior for Israel. It's God's salvation for That's all right. people. The offer is to everyone. It's so inclusive. We we take issue sometimes. People take issue with Christianity like, oh, it seems so narrow. No, it's not. It's incredibly inclusive. <laughs> right. It's for all people. Right. It's for everybody. That is so true. That is so true. It's like, well, well, man, it's not fair. You know, aren't other religions true? Or why, why are you exclusive? Why is, is, you know, is this offer only for them? But what about them? And you're so right. It is and inclusive for all people, everybody. The offer is made for every person in history. And I need to go back and say, that's exactly what the angels said to the shepherds. Hmm. I bring you good news for all people. This is not just for the Jewish people. Though there was a prominence in that, real quickly in the book of Acts, we see how it spread to the Gentile world. Mm -hmm. And even in the Old Testament, in many places, the, the, the non-believing people had come to Judaism and really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is an all-inclusive salvation. Yeah, That's the heart of God. That is the heart of why he knew that there had to be a remedy and his, the remedy was going to be his son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. There it, it is, is again. again. Yes, <laughs> the nations. Yeah, The nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. Hmm. That's an interesting phrase right there, the glory of your people, Israel. Yeah. He would be the centerpiece of history. Right, the centerpiece. Now, I I just, I I can't go any further without having to turn to the Gospel of John. Okay. Because it says here, he is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. When I turn to John chapter 1, there's some very familiar verses that many of the hearers will actually recognize. Verse 4, the word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to mm. everyone. Mm. Brought light to everyone. Now, it's, it's still all-inclusive, you know? Mm-hmm. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Mm. Once this light came to the earth, this is Jesus Christ, the, the Messiah, the anointed one, Christ himself. Once that light shines in the darkness... The darkness can never extinguish it. Which is why here 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. Still talking about it. And I'm going to throw in verse 9. It says, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Hmm. You know, and that was, you know, just that that was more a Christmas verse, a nativity verse. Uh But it says, he was coming into the world, the one who gives light to everyone. There it is again. Hmm. You know, if we would just look, if people would just look and see the light, the light is being offered to everyone and being shown to everyone. Mm -hmm. And I do think it is interesting that um, Simeon says something about the glory, okay? Because um, it even says this here in, he came into the world, he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Verse 10, he came to his own people and they even rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. 
and we have seen his glory, ah. the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Hmm. Um, glory, anytime you talk about it, talks about two things. Anytime you hear the word glory, and it's one of those words that you think, well, what does that mean? Is it like a very religious word? Mm-hmm. It always speaks of light and ability. Mm-hmm. So the glory goes to, you know, it's all credit, all ability. That's all God, right? Mm. But it also, there's this radiance. When you talk about glory, it's this radiance that that shines and um, makes it more than just we have good ability. This is divine. Mm-hmm. This is only a divine light, and it's the only place it can come from. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Simeon includes a whole lot in that whole story, you yeah. know? Um, then in verse 23, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very own soul. Hmm. A real somber note there. The the what was a very hopeful and happy prophecy kind of has turned into a little more of a sobering situation here. It's going to divide people mm-hmm. and it will pierce him and it will pierce your soul, Mary. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little different of a feel there at the it end. It is a very different feel, and it's prophetic. Mm-hmm. Um, that Simeon was a prophet, mm-hmm. and 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 basically was saying that very thing you just said. The deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and the deepest thoughts that we can ever have are thoughts that are generated about the depth of who we are in God, mm. and so it'll reveal. Do you believe or do you not? Okay. Because belief goes down into the deepest places of who we are. It just, it's just one of those things that is almost indescribable. Mm-hmm. But it is going to go that that far into the soul to reveal where are you with God? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, God has provided this. Are you going to trust Him or are you not? Right. If there was any other way than for God to take on human flesh and come and be sacrificed on our behalf. If there was another way, Jesus would have never shown up. He would not have had to come. But the fact that Jesus had to come says he will do something we can't do for ourselves. So when I read this verse... The child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. I get that picture of, you know, that many will stumble over him. He will be a stumbling block to many. Many will look at Jesus and say, that doesn't look like the Messiah. That I'm not going to give my life to him. But it will be a joy for many others, and they will find that he's the rock of their salvation. You know, so yes. he's either this stumbling block or the rock of your salvation, Um Isaiah 8.14 says, now this is again a prophecy given 700 and some years before Mm -hmm. Jesus, Isaiah 8.14, he will be a stone that causes men to stumble, a rock that makes them fall. People will trip over him and try to move on and ignore. Right. That's that's really um, kind of, that really culminates what Simeon was, was talking through when he was prophesying. And then, like you said, the last one here, and a sword will pierce your very own soul. Mm-hmm. And that is going to, that is a direct allusion to the prophetic 
you know, word that, that Jesus was going to be crucified. Yeah. You know. Right. There would be um, a sword. Real quick play on words here mm, that okay. I want to I want to share with you. I always found it interesting. It says this child is destined to cause many to fall and uh, many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God. Isn't that mm. strange? Yeah, that is. Okay. The word sign in the Greek language is Simeon. Oh, that's But Simeon huh. is a Hebrew name. Isn't that interesting? Mm. So it's like a, a play on words. The word sign is like, man, that's the Greek word for sign, but that sure sounds like Simeon, which we get the tribe of Simeon, okay. right? One of the one of the he- Hebrew Israelite tribes. So I just kind of feel like Simeon is so overjoyed that he has been promised to see the Messiah that somehow he wanted to get in and say, you know what? My name mm. bears witness to the sign that has come from God. Mm. You know, uh-huh. just a little play uh-huh. on words. Yeah. I mean, we, it, we miss that when we read yeah. the English translation. But let's here. let's keep going. Okay, so then in that same scenario, here they are still in the temple. Um, Simeon has come up and said his things, and now there's someone else there who's going to jump in and be a part of this too. So we'll start here in verse 36. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of... Hmm, what do you, how do we Fanuel. do this? Fanuel. She was the daughter of Fanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had filled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. I know you love that story. I I really love her. You just love her. Always have. I remember always talking to you. You I just think she's so neat. She has given her life to staying there in the temple and just being tuned in to what the Lord was doing. She wanted to be close to the action. Once she had lost her husband, she decided that the purpose of her life would be to be in the temple being where God was. Mm -hmm. I love that. I'll tell you what I love about that is her dedication to God didn't stay with her. Hmm. Her excitement about Jesus and seeing the Messiah and looking at Simeon probably bawling his eyes out Hmm. with tears and just holding this baby. Maybe she even saw the radiance of this baby and somehow the glory of of God was just maybe in that temple and it's just, you know, you never, I don't know, but one of the things it says... She talked about the child to everyone mm-hmm. who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So there was many people waiting for this Messiah, maybe all the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. You, you see what I'm saying? Because they knew the prophecies and they knew the Old Testament. There was this silent period like we talked about uh, you know, just in, a, in episodes prior to this one, and people were expectantly waiting. For sure Simeon was, mm-hmm. and for sure Anna was, mm-hmm. and... Then she was able to go and she actually told and testified Mm -hmm. to everybody who was expectantly waiting, here he is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I picture her as like just a really um, endearing old lady who, I love how it says she 
spent day and night worshiping God with fasting and prayer. And it's like she gets to be in on something really special here. Mm-hmm. She's She has sacrificed so much over these years. She must have just been really a beautiful woman. And so when she told people about this Messiah, they must have listened. Oh, you know, they, they must have. They, uh, she was tuned in and she had the words to say to people who were expectantly waiting for yeah. rescue. And this was a dedicated woman to the Lord, so certainly they'd be listening, yeah. you know? So, so, you know, the focus, we don't want to just focus on Anna. Sure. The focus here, what I gain from this is that Anna saw Christ, saw Jesus as God's rescue. Mm-hmm. The word that's attached to what she's saying here is rescue. Mm-hmm. This baby is God's rescue. Yeah, that's a great point, which was his name. Jesus, mm. the one who saves. If you save somebody, you're rescuing somebody, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and we need rescue. Yes. We are people who are full of ourselves, full of sin, full of waywardness. We're, we're, we're lost, and we need rescue, and yeah. Jesus came to rescue. Right, right. Um, it does say a few things about, uh, about Jesus here in verse 40. The child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we see that, and that kind of blends itself into the next little story. Yes. So, why don't you uh, read that, please? Okay, so now we start at verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them, asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know? I must be in my father's house. But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and all the people. So that's a funny story if you right. think about it. You know, yeah. here's a 12-year-old, and like 12-year-olds are want to do if you take them to the fair, take them <laughs> to the carnival, they kind of want to wander off on their own and do their own thing. You don't want mom and dad around, okay. you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And they were looking for Jesus, assuming you had to travel in, in caravans yeah. and bands, and, and there was a lot of safety in that, mm-hmm. and that's why they did that. Yeah. And they just assumed that um, that's where he he's going to be. You know, I had heard that it was typical for the women and children to travel at the front of the caravan and the men to travel at the back. And so here he is at 12 years old. Is he a child who should be at the front with his yeah. mother? Is he a young man who could be at the back with the mm-hmm. men? And they both just assumed he was at the opposite spot. Right. Right. And so when they couldn't find him, they panicked. Yeah. Okay. That's basically, we know they panicked because that's what his mother said to him. We've been frantic. (laughs) Right. Right? Of course. What are are you doing? But it says, three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, 
sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. Mm. So that's something that we ought to, I don't know, take to heart. Mm. As a 12-year-old, he's listening Mm -hmm. to the truth being taught, and he's asking questions. Mm. He's inquiring of this truth being taught. So no matter what age we are, and I especially, you know, if there's anybody listening that uh, to this podcast that's 12, <laughs> man, listen and ask questions mm. about the faith. Mm-hmm. For those of us who are way older than 12, um, listen and ask. Man, inquire about the faith. Learn as much as you can about the faith. Let it get a hold of you. And if you don't understand something, man, find out. You know, mm-hmm. and we'll say at the end of this section that Jesus grew in wisdom. Yeah, that's the last verse we yeah. read. Jesus grew in wisdom, so he is putting himself in a place where he can grow in wisdom by going into the temple, listening, asking questions. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a conundrum to understand Jesus fully God. Yet fully man needed yeah. to learn some things. I can't I get my head around I it. I don't think we're supposed to. <laughs> we'll have to figure that one out when we get to heaven. Um, <laughs> but it is that it, it, you know, and it says that he was listening to them and asking questions. And I really do believe that was part of the the process here. Mm-hmm. And um, then it says, all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Mm. As they should be, right, you know. Right. For a twelve-year-old, he must have had such a depth beyond what would be expected. Right. You, you ever watch um, America's Got Talent? AGT. Okay. And some eleven-year-old girl or eight-year-old girl gets on, or or, or boy, it doesn't matter. Um, and you're like, oh gosh, here's what's going to happen here, and you're almost embarrassed for them because you don't know what's going to happen. Then all of a sudden, they sing this song. The judges are in tears. It's a standing ovation. Maybe one of them hits the golden buzzer. Who knows what? But you're like, I can't even understand how an 11-year-old can sing like mm-hmm. they're 20. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or 25, something. It's kind of what it was like, I'm sure, mm-hmm. where they were looking at him and, and listening to all these amazing answers and listening to the understanding he's bringing and the clarity he's bringing to these scriptures. Mm-hmm. Really, really awesome. All right, stunning, you know? stunning what they would have seen there. And as as it goes on, it says, you know, we've been looking for you everywhere. You know, where have you been? Whatever. Right. Jesus' answer is very interesting. Can you read mm, it again? Okay. But why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? And they didn't understand what he meant. Yeah. But he was in a synagogue. Okay. He was in a place um, in the temple, I guess, okay. in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. I guess that's that's more accurate. Yep, in the temple here. In the temple yeah. in Jerusalem. And, you know, that's, that's where he was drawn to be. Mm-hmm. He was drawn to be in the presence of God, okay? And just drawn to be in places where God was going to be talked about and okay. God was going to be explored and, and questions were going to be asked. And, and all of that, in the Jewish system, you know, the temple was everything to the Jewish people. That was where God, it wasn't until Jesus died that the curtain tore. Mm-hmm. So still, this is the dwelling place of God, according to the Jewish people, okay. right? Who had no idea who Jesus was at the time, didn't know that God was dwelling with them in flesh, hmm. right? But it says, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? That can also be translated, I must be about my father's business, mm-hmm. or I must tend to my father's affairs, mm-hmm. you know. Um, 
that saying is still used often in the world. You you better get your house in order. Okay. You better get your house, you know, all ready. And that really meant you just have to get your life together. You have to get everything in order and get everything ready for something. You know what I mean? Right. I, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking about how this would have been uh, just such a transition for Mary to, to understand. I mean, her question is, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. Well... You know, she's looking at it from the human side. You are my child, mm-hmm. and I need to be responsible right. for you, and you need to be where I am. And Jesus is saying, I am your child, but I am also child of God. I am God is my father, is what she what he what Jesus is saying here. God is my father, and I need to be about what he's about. So yeah. it's a transition for Mary to realize sure her authority over him is coming to a close. He must be about his father's business, his yeah. actual father, God in heaven. Yeah. And figuratively, you know, Mary saying, You need to be with me. And Jesus saying, <laughs> Actually, you need to be with me, Mm. you know? Ah, true. So all of that was probably very, very confusing, right? (laughs) you know, to Mary and Joseph. Um, Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Mm -hmm. So there's one answer. Did he, he wasn't going to talk back, okay? He wasn't going to disobey his mom or dad. He was going to be obedient in all things, mm-hmm. which is which is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. what we would expect, I guess. Right, right, right. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Okay, that's a full heart already. Mm. He's only 12, okay? Mm-hmm. She remembers all that was said about Jesus from the angel. Yeah. She was visited by the wise men. Yeah. Visited by the shepherds. And they said things that clarified yeah, some truth. Yeah, absolutely. Simeon comes along and prophesies, even though, like you said, it was a prophecy that did have to have a somber ending, but that was all prophesied. And she's she's got all these things in her mind. She goes into the temple, all these scholars, rabbis, even the priests, listening to Jesus, amazed, and um, she just stored it all in her heart. Yeah, yeah, know? right. I love where it ends here. Let's read this verse one more time. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. And later in his life, when he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus will say, the greatest commandment is that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So it's no surprise. It's it's reflected right here. Jesus grew in wisdom, loving God with his mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in stature, loving him with his body. And favor with God and all the people, loving his neighbor as himself, you know. So when we watch Jesus's life, we will see what it looks like when someone does this perfectly, when someone loves God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loves his neighbor as himself perfectly. That's what's about to happen when we progress. That's a really, really good point. And so Luke 52 becomes a verse that I think is very practical for everybody who's listening Hmm. and anybody who's reading the Word to say, well, what should I aim for? Hmm. You know, And knowing that the the greatest commandment is what you just said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself, it's all reflected right there. So if we grow in wisdom and we grow in stature, which just means keep yourself healthy, right? It, it, it means, and in, in favor with God, in love for God, and all the people, and love for people, mm-hmm. that's, 
that's a worthy and worthwhile four things that, man, you want to grow up and, and experience life and God the way that he would like you to. And look at what Jesus has done. You know, look at, obviously, we're, we're not Jesus, but that is the model we are supposed to follow because the scriptures do say imitate Jesus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and So this, this is, is the direction that Jesus will send us in if we follow him. Right. And, and as scriptures tell us to do that, this is a good starting point, mm-hmm. you know, good evaluation. Well, this has been great. Um, next time, we're going to introduce Jesus as he is introduced by John the Baptist. His ministry is about to begin. And so next episode, we're going to get into that. Okay, well, let me just close this in prayer. Lord, let us fix our eyes on Jesus and let us see what it looks like as he grows in wisdom and stature and in favor with you and with all the people. Amen. Amen. Amen.